Right, hey, before we get into it today, I'd just like to thank the blokes and ladies that keep the lights on here, our sponsors. Better beer, jogging a can, winning a 10, the athlete's choice. Look, no matter what sort of beer you drink, they've got you covered. Go check out their whole range. Country Trucker Caps for keeping our domes out of the sun with all their deadly designs. TikTok Nutrition for keeping our bodies fueled with the good stuff. SP Tools for giving us the best tools for all our projects at home and on the work site. And the True Blue Aussie Book. Blue bet. Call them what you want, knee knockers, golden nuggets, dice slappers. But our friends at Manscapes refer to them as the boys. Not every man has children, but every man is responsible for their two boys below the waist. When your little guys have more hair than they need, trust Manscaped for all your grooming dreams. Boys need love too, so join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using the code ALPHABLOKES for 20% off plus free shipping. You heard it here first. The boys are back in town. Every man knows how scary it can get when you're going for the close shave below the waist. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Introducing the Lawnmower family, including the Lawnmower Pro 3.0 Plus and the 4.0 Pro and the 5.0 Ultra. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code ALPHABLOKES at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code ALPHABLOKES at manscaped.com. For the best your boys have ever looked, trust Manscaped. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologise to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Welcome back to another episode of the Alpha Blokes Podcast. Here to give the everyday battler a voice, delete head noise one laugh at a time, delete a better beer today as per usual, cracking that. Thank you. Cheers, lads. Bluetooth, Bluetooth you, mate. Bluetooth, Matty. We um, got the CEO and founder of Mindful Oz on today, Matty Runnels. How are you going, champion? Good, mate. Better to be here and, yeah, grateful for the opportunity to start meaningful conversations and... Yeah, obviously love what you're doing. Yeah, cheers, bro. It's uh, back to the old stomping ground, mate. What was the reason for the trip? Yeah, there's a few emotions actually coming up here. I was like, shit, you know, I obviously speak quite a lot around the world now and mm. this is still one of those spots, uh, spots in the world that I've never ticked off. Yeah. Obviously, this place played a big part in my journey, good and bad. Yeah. So to be back here and um, get an opportunity to speak at the Entertainment Centre on Friday night. Yeah, cool, mate. Sportsman's uh, evening. Mm. Yeah, great opportunity. Especially yeah, nice. in those sporting environments where obviously our men need those places of comfort to talk about these serious topics yeah it was nice to get back and start those and facilitate them and hopefully the clubs continue to run with it yeah yeah for sure man <clears throat> going from like what you were doing beforehand how did you go starting to talk to groups of people and stuff like that did it take you a bit to get used to yeah it sort of happened really organically i mean i used to just sit up the back of other people doing speaking gigs because i was so passionate mm. and i'd be the one pressing next on their powerpoints because I just wanted to help. Yeah, yeah. I was scared shitless of the idea of ever going out there and doing that. And it was, um, I ran around the Bay of Victoria in four days to raise money for mental health. Yeah. And after doing that, you know, hanging around people that really cared about the topic, I become really passionate about it. So I started volunteering, like I said. And then one of the blokes that I did the walk with, and we raised $180,000 for the Love Me, Love You Foundation. And he said to me, he goes, do you mind coming into my workplace this week and talking about how you ran 300 kilometres? 
course I can. Yeah. When I got in there, he said, there'll only be about 15, 20 people. Come in there and talk about how you did a run. No dramas. Mm. Got in there and he goes, got a bloke here today. He's lost six mates to suicide. He's going to talk about his story with mental health. I was like, fucking what? Yeah, right. Yeah. So got up there, bawled my eyes out for about half an hour and everyone else bawled their eyes out too. And I was like, well, shit, there's power in this. And Mm. um, I didn't have to be perfect doing it. I could shake. Yeah. I was nervous. I could get emotional and it resonated. So, Mm. yeah, just from there, we didn't advertise. We didn't do anything. They just... I started getting bookings. So organically, it, yeah, it'd become a speaker that just went out there and told it how it is. And I think, as I said, um, being authentic and being real is what people need to see, here and feel right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's cool to see, like, <clears throat> we've got to meet some pretty cool people in all other sort of spaces and that as well as the mental health um, space at the moment. And what's cool about getting you on is... I knew you while we were fucking rat bags. Like mm-hmm. as in, still are a bit, but like as in back in the day, <laughs> in the apprenticeship days where we were all doing some silly things like we all do as young blokes. And it was it's cool to see what you've done over the last couple of years, man, and now sit down with you and talk about it because, you know, if you had told us what we were going to be doing a few years ago running a mark, you'd be like, fuck off, mm. you know, so it's pretty cool. Well, I, I think that's the power in it. I think that's what we need to see more of is just blokes just having a go and yeah. just telling it yeah. how it is. I mean, yeah, it's been a lot easier for me to live this part of my next part of my journey just knowing that I'm not scared anymore of the topic, the conversation, but I'm also not scared about what people think of me. Mm. I am who I am and I do yeah. good things. I've made a lot of mistakes. But hopefully we try and correct them and, and do good with them. So yeah. I wouldn't be able to write a book, wouldn't be able to be a mental health advocate if I didn't go through that rat bag and stage. Yeah. Um, but also I wouldn't appeal to the people that I appeal to if I wasn't a rat bag still. So yeah. um, it is what it is, yeah. I'm grateful for all of that, for the hurdles and the journey that Gladstone was. And like I said, when I was up here, I did a lot of that to numb a lot of that head noise like we talk about. Mm. So there was an element of me that was like, yeah, I want to belong. And so you do these things to rat bag, to play up, because that's a sense of belonging. And mm. then there was a big element of me that was like, let's rat bag so I don't have to think about anything else. Yeah, yeah. And, and so there's a bit of column A and column B there, which, again, in turn, you know, you never want to tell people to go down that path of, you know, self-medicating or, or doing things when you're in that space. But at the same time, I learn a lot. Mm. I learn a lot from it. And then, in turn, as I said, that's how you can get, give back to all these people out there that are going through similar things, and especially in those sporting areas and those male-dominated for lack of a better term, yeah. areas. That's what they need to see. And, mate, you, like, when did you start actually doing this? So 2016, I think, or well, 2014, I did that run. Mm. 2015, 16, I sort of did whatever I could to help and support. 2016, I launched Mindful Australia. And yep. so um, I had no real intention of running a charity. I don't know how it ended up. Someone talked me into it, and here I am. But yep. we, I sort of, the thought that saved my life in 2012 when I was up here was the thought of having kids. It was a very bizarre thought. And then if you pair that with now losing 11 mates to minor behavioural health challenges, I wanted to change the way that looked and feel. So yep. when I was working for these other organisations, there wasn't that relatability or that authenticity to talk about this stuff for its truths. Mm. And so I was like, well, I want to do it differently. I want to talk about it. And we launched Mindful Oz to look after pairing that thought of kids being what saved me. We worked with the idea that I was going to build a program to support kids at the earliest of ages. And seven, eight, nine years later, where we are right now, the program Healthier Hearts and Lighter Minds is our primary school program and we're out there doing exactly what I intended to do. So we start that conversation with those kids as early as three and four years old. Yeah, wow. We don't have to talk about mental health and suicide. We just talk about our emotions, our thoughts and our feelings and we give 
hold a space for these kids to understand that it's all right to talk about it. Yeah, right. So, you know, your fear, anger, joy, disgust, sadness. It doesn't have to be suicide. It doesn't have to be mental health. It's like, whatever you feel, let's talk about it. Yeah. You've got these little three and four-year-olds running around that are more emotionally aware than most adults you meet. So yeah, that's a pretty, pretty beautiful cool. thing. It's yeah. pretty cool getting into it at that stage. And like you said, you're not talking about suicide to a, a three-year-old. But like you said, getting used to talking about how you're feeling then progresses when you get older. And when you're starting to get more of life getting thrown at you, you're used to being able to say, fuck, I feel shit today. Yeah, well, this, it's so it's awesome, mate. It's the most rewarding thing in the world. Like, we have kids that go through our program and then they turn around and they'll come up and they tug you on the shorts at school and they say, I'm feeling purple today. And we associate purple with fear. So you've yeah, got right. three and four-year-olds going, I, I feel fear because they don't have that articulation. So you've got these young little legends running around saying, I feel yellow joy, I feel red, mm. I feel anger. Yep. So it's a good way to start. So if you, these kids can start to articulate it. Because what I – the misconceptions out here in the world right now is that men don't want to talk about their feelings. And I reckon yep. that's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. If we provide a space that feels comfortable for men, they'll talk. Mm. But we, we, we don't. Mm. We don't do that. It's very easy for people to say men don't talk, men don't talk. But as I've always said, if you point the finger and say men don't talk, there's three fingers pointing back at, shit, maybe I could do something better to make it more comfortable for men to talk mm. and stop blaming people for not talking and ask ourselves what can we do better yeah. as listeners or as friends and family. So to be able to create these spaces where these kids have an articulation of how they feel but also a comfort from a very early age because mm. I didn't have that comfort. None of us were taught about it. So to be right. able to create these spaces where you grow up and we're now educating the older generation on how to have emotional conversations yeah. and that's not their fault. They were never taught that. So if we can get the kids at earliest of ages at Mindful Oz in the schools, it's a pretty beautiful thing. Yeah, 100%, mate. And <clears throat> kudos for you for starting this when you did because the last couple of years I feel like we are sort of starting to make a change as a whole group of people doing this and people are seeing it's more accepting. But back then when you did, that was it was still like a thing that was still like a not really talked about much, eh? Like when oh. you sort of started, there would have been other people sort of in the space, but not many, like not as nearly as many as there is now. What's mental health overall, 10 years or something? Like that Fuck started... Right. Oh, mate, I, I still remember it. I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety and severe sleep insomnia at the age of 16, 17. And when I did, my missus got rid of me at the time because I told her I had it. So wow. that was the stigma. That was the negativity <clears throat> to opening up. I opened up, bawled my eyes out, and within 24 hours she'd left me because she's like, I don't need, I don't want to deal with this shit. Oh, yeah. fuck. But I don't hold that <clears throat> against her. Nah. That's what it was like. Yeah, now was, yeah. we're in this position where it's just like, I'm scared that it's going to become a commodity where people are like, I've got mental illness so I can't. Mm. And I, that's I, right. we just got to be really careful with that. Find that's that right. balance. And that's what we've sort of talked about as well is that um, – like, you hate to see people take advantage of that to not do shit, like yeah. to get out of things or not do stuff, like when some people are really struggling. But the hardest part about it is is you can't just call someone out and say, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't have that. Yeah. So it's sort of up to someone to be a good person and don't fucking take the piss out of it, you know? Yeah, well, as we all go to bed with problems and challenges. And mm. like I live with bipolar disorder. Uh, I always say it on stage, James Packer, billion dollars, bipolar disorder. Matt Reynolds broke, bipolar disorder. We, we both go to bed with problems and challenges. Mm-hmm. And labels belong on jars, not people. So if, by giving people labels and slapping labels on ourselves, sometimes it stops us from being who we, we know we can potentially be. So we've just got to be yeah. cautious of that line. But like you said, over the last 10 years and how far we've come, you know, there was charities that I wanted to work for and help and support. And the only reason Mindful Oz existed is because the charities that I went to go do work for would say, Matt, we don't talk about suicide here. And I'm like, seems pretty fucking odd that we don't talk about suicide 
and that's what happens. We've mm. got the 3,200 people in, in this country here taking their own lives and we don't talk about it. So I was like, no, nah, it didn't sit right. It was like a grit your teeth moment. So, What was their reasonings behind it? They just, well, it was still that misconception that if you talk about it, you put the idea in someone's head. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it wasn't a thing where you're going, oh, we're trying to heal that so you won't even get to that point so we're not even going to talk about suicide. Yeah, it's just like such a dirty word for, I guess, yeah. for people. And so, like, I started, I, I used to do keynotes and I'd walk out on stage and my first sentence was, suicide, 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 suicide. I'm going to talk about it today. We're going to take the power away from it. Yeah. That word doesn't have to be dirty. Yeah. We can talk about it and bring some <clears throat> light to it. Yeah. And it's the same when I'm doing speeches now and it doesn't have to be a doom and gloom topic. You can have love and, and laughter and, and light with that topic and bring comfort to it. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. Yeah, it's nasty that we've lost mates. It's nasty that people have had to go through things. But the only way we change that, where we're at with it, is to stop being scared of it. Yeah. And to start talking about it in all its truths. Mate, where did you, where did you grow up and like have, because like, obviously we met you here, but you weren't born You popped and up out here. of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. that's right. You know, yeah, like, I, I think I met you with <clears throat> Tyler in the TAFE car park or something like that. <laughs> and then next minute... Oh, he's at Thirsty Thursday. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's out and on the weekend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm like, hey, he's just popped up and he's just in the group that's with all me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And no. you just, it just seemed to appear, bro. And we had heaps of fun. But yeah, like, we where did. did? Yeah, well, so I was really struggling with my mental health and those sorts of challenges and the stigma that was associated that we just talked about. 16, 17, when I was diagnosed. Obviously, uh, 18. I promised my parents that I was going to finish my plumbing apprenticeship, and I dropped out of school. And the first two bosses I had first boss was was just a boring prick and yep. never say hello <clears throat> cold as and then the second boss I had physically and emotionally abused me punched kicked hit with shovels Fuck shirt me. fronted and everything and so this emotionally or this kid that was happy-go-lucky that I mean you guys have seen a bit of um no not a problem in the world all of a sudden was coming home every night struggling suicidal didn't want to be here like had the physical and the emotional abuse so I sort of smacked my confidence and self-worth and esteem out of me so got to the point where I just said to my parents on, like, I think it was, could have been a Sunday night. I said, I'm going to Queensland tomorrow. And they said, what? I said, I'm going to Queensland tomorrow. I'm getting on a plane. I'm going to Queensland tomorrow. I don't want to be here anymore. Needed a fresh start. And as I always talk about this, the choices that we have, fear, courage, blame or ownership. I blamed every single person in Victoria for how I felt. I blamed my parents for not understanding me. And I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm going. I'll start new and I'll go up there. But I never addressed or accepted all the challenges that I was experiencing. My dad is the best man in the world. He turned around and bought me a plane ticket and said, if that's what's going to make you happy and smile again, let's do it. And I jumped on the plane and I come up here on eight hours notice. Wow. Didn't even say see it, anyone down there really. <clears throat> and left and I come up here and when I got here, I jumped off the plane um, and I was like, well, the easiest way for me to go meet people is play at a footy club. So I ran down to the, I was at the Muddy's yep. and yep. Rules, and, and started to get to know a few people, but... Same thing, confronted with, hey, why are you up here? And I'm like, do I tell them the truth or do I just start fresh? Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, just better weather. You know, the old Victorian thing, it's just better yeah, weather yeah, up yeah. here. And, um, yeah, just continued to struggle. And, you, yeah, bounce from crew to crew because you mm. make mistakes or you're not thinking straight. And then, as I've always said to all my friends down there, like in an ideal world, if I could have the people that I met here back down there where all my supports are, mm. life would be brilliant for me because yeah. the people that I met here, I felt like, provided that sense of belonging and connection and love that I felt like maybe I didn't have in Victoria. Yeah. And I do have that now. I've got lots of great supports. But here I felt alive. 
Yeah, well, mate, it's one of those things where I've heard people say, like, you won't know the person who's really struggling with mental health. You won't be able to see it and that. And fucking, you're a perfect example of that, man, because you're always that bubbly, fun guy when Happy it rolls go, around lucky. you. And it's, yeah. Yeah, well, fun <laughs> as fuck. Like, around that time of our life when we didn't really have any real commitments, we were fucking just buzzing around. Boys are on. Yeah, the boys yeah. are on. Fucking, yeah. you know, you, you would not have, I would not have picked that. No. So it's a perfect example as, like, you, you don't know who is... You know, struggling. You get very good at learning how to mask it and, and because of that stigma, you know, it's like the idea of I would have loved to have been able to talk about it like I can now. Mm. And But we weren't ready for that conversation. No, I was going to say we weren't mature enough and you'd nah. like fucking, nah. yeah. And I can do it now and people are like, oh, that's Matt. He, you know, he's c- c- quite capable of having a D&M, this bloke. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there's still some people that you see it and you, you can see the recoil and they're like, Oh, I can imagine the stigma back then going, yeah, this bike is deep. Yeah, yeah. Too deep for me. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well. That would have been the exact comment. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And you still get it from some people. You still see some people avoid the hard topics. Mm. And I think they only avoid them because they don't know that they're capable of having the answers. But Australia needs to start to understand um, as as quick as possible that we don't need the answers, the advice, um, the wisdom. We just need to be able to listen. Yeah, and, and you're still a bloke who can fucking come in here, have a beer, have a joke, talk about footy and yeah. fucking rooting and whatever else yeah. is going on, and also talk about this. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you're out here doing these things and make like starting the movement and stuff doesn't mean that that's all you, that, who you are, you know. Nah. Like, and for a long time, it did consume me. I become, I guess, this because it yeah. was probably it's like an addiction, right? I, be, I came so engulfed in the mental health field and wanting to do mm. good work for the right reasons, but it become who I was. Yeah, and so then we stopped going out to have drinks at a bar because someone would come up and they'd be two beers in and they'd cry on my shoulder and, oh, you're Matt, you're the mental health guy. And they'd, yeah, become a lot. So I had to sort of set up some more accountability and boundaries around my own time and, mm. and, and health and wellness and make sure that I could go out and still be me. And, um, you know, as talk about Australians are wired for love, belong and connection. Yeah. And I think if we always remember that, we'll always know we're capable of helping the next person out. Yeah. And so... With me now, I find the mates that it's love, belong, connection. I can go out, have a beer, be me, but when there's time to have the deep and meaningful conversations or to get something off my chest or for them to get it off their chest, mm. I'm here for it all. Mate, yeah. we talked about it before, balance. It's like the hardest thing in life, I think, compared to like could be mental health or work life, like you're doing for work or your family at home. <clears throat> Just balance in any way is the hardest thing for a person to master, eh? Yeah, well, we, the, the world's full of doing, doing, doing right now. And we're human beings, so we're meant to be, not do. But we're so there's so much overwhelm and stress and challenges in this world at the moment that we're always going, going, going. And the first thing that normally gets pushed to the side when we're struggling um, or we're struggling to keep up with life is the things that make us happy. It's just like, oh, I love golf. It's like, I can't. i got work. I've got mates to hang out with. I've got, mm. I've got to be work overtime. I've got to make more money. I've got to be home with the family. It's like equally important is that round of golf. Yeah, because if you don't fill that cup up, the time that you're giving your family and the time you spend at work is you're not giving you the best part efficient. of yourself. No, no, yeah, hundred percent. It's the first thing that goes. I see all my mates do it, and they know they do it too. But they, as soon as they, you know, get in a relationship or there's kids or anything involved, the first thing they stop doing is looking after self. Mm. And we're just we're like that as Australians. We're caring, compassionate people, and the first thing that we do is look after others before ourselves. Mm. Sub- subconsciously not aware that by doing that we have not given them the best version of us. So yep. balance is really, really difficult for a lot of people, but I work in 1,440 minutes in a day. Most people like there's 24 hours. I sort of tend to break it down into 1,440 because 
if you can understand that, I think there's 1,440 opportunities in the day to do something for yourself. Yeah. But we all get that word busy, 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 mm. busy, which I believe is a word used by people who don't know how to prioritise their time for things that really matter. Yeah. So. I'm definitely, definitely guilty of that when um, you talk about the physical part. Your business might be going well, everything's flowing, but hey, the rig's not looking good. <laughs> yeah. So let's try back and back. Yeah. And that's the same thing for your mental state yeah. as well. Well, they go hand in hand. You know, the first thing you do after you have a big night on the piss is then you go and get the Kentucky on the way yeah. home. Yeah, that's right. And or me two pies today. <laughs> and the cycle starts. <laughs> we'll probably have a third one when we leave here. Yeah. The cycle starts. But again, it's balanced. You, you yep. can't go full, I'm not doing anything that I shouldn't be doing. It's, yep. yeah, we got one of these things as much as we know it. So let's mm. enjoy it, but let's make sure we're doing the things that we know our brain needs. But our accountability too, eh? When you're like realising yourself when you're fucking a bit overweight. Like me and Cam uh, just got the old Urella lifestyle package things. We're like, right, oh, bruh, so let's fucking start. <laughs> we might have to get an attendance record. <laughs> yeah. So you can go Print out. most yeah. times. We might have to run a tally behind the Alpha Bloke podcast on <laughs> yeah. to make sure you boys are sticking yeah. to it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. <laughs> like with the balance thing, even like with relationships, man like everything's been flat out at the moment with this which is awesome with the kids at home which is awesome me and the missus the other day sat down and went fuck me we haven't done anything together as a husband and wife for fucking ages and it's like we need to do that sort of shit same as like you were saying with the golf right yeah like yeah it's just you've got to water that you've got to water it Mm. otherwise the the things die so you've you've got to put time and attention into things that's so important you know working the quadrants of life is relationships Mm. finances work and, yeah, and, that's right. and play time, and all of them have got to be watered. So, I can't get out of my head that quote we just played on the last episode of um, Tom Hardy, and mm. about you taking the jump um, to come up to Queensland. Yeah, it's so relatable. We right? don't have that, do we, Quinn? We'll play it again on this, but pretty much, oh mate, he was sort of talking about having his foot stuck and the floods and it, it rising, and he goes, "You know what I would have done? Cut it off." Yeah, some bloke got stuck in a uh, in a flood with his foot in a grate and they couldn't get him unstuck and he ended up drowning. And he said, that wouldn't have happened to me because I would have said, cut it fucking off now. And he said, sometimes to grow in life, you need to cut a bit of yourself off no matter how much it hurts. hundred uh, you know? percent. And I'm very spontaneous like that anyway. I mean, for whatever reason, I'm not sure. But for me, it was, uh, I still do it. I'm like, you know, I, I got back from Bali in February. Um when I was with my ex-partner and been able, like, have, have, transparently I've had a shit time over the last 15 weeks. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to Bali again. Mm. It's just like, what's money at the end of the day if I'm not happy? So yeah, let's, let's right. go put some time back into yourself and come back and have a big second half of the year. Yep. But if you just keep putting these things off, you've got to take the risks. And I think for whatever reason, like I said, when I moved up here, there was an element of sunshine that was was sexy as well because mm. uh, we don't get much of it down there. <laughs> yeah, Four yeah. seasons in one day. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. shit ass. But... um. Yeah, just to take that leap and go, well, nothing, what I'm doing down here is not working. Mm. And, and feeling like shit is not a way of life. So let's do something different. You know, Bali and they go, oh, it's just party and rah, rah, rah. You can go over there now and it's the biggest health retreat it you want to do ever. Ice baths, MMA, yep. gyms. That's what it was for me. And I'm not someone who's really good at sitting still. Yep. Um, so when I tour with work and I'm bouncing from hotels to hotels all the time, I like seeing and doing, seeing and doing, seeing and doing. I want to see everything. I want to do everything. I want to go watch the sport in America. So to go to somewhere like Bali and just go, there is no fucking sport. There is no this. You just sit on your ass, get some sunshine and read a book yep. and, and get some clarity back before yep. you go into a second half of the year that I know is chaotic for me. So yeah, that's good. You've got to be able to acknowledge those things and 
yeah, once upon a time, someone like Bali wouldn't have been sexy to me, but I was like, now it is. I'm like, because yep. this thing's more important than anything to me right now. So, yeah, while, while I still like going to the sport in the UFC, it's nice to be able to have a sunshine, pool, water, cold exposure. Mate, we yeah, were I'm talking sorry. about that as well last one, saying, like, I've been away at a couple of big, like the Live Golf event, Perth, yeah. um, for the UFC, Magic Round in Brisbane, where cities are just pumping. I need a bit of bush. Like, yeah. I want to go fishing soon and just you know have a camp and trip or something just to get a bit more grounded like as in it's been fun as fuck yeah but i need that bit of yeah you've got to plug the batteries in i mean what's the first thing that we do when our phone goes dead we charge 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 it back up that's That's a good point happens when our cars are empty on fuel that's the water for me we go out on the water for the day i'm laughing yeah Mm. but for some reason all these things in life that don't mean shit to us well our phones and our cars are important but we don't plug ourselves in Mm. Yeah. And plugging ourselves in looks different for all of us, as we just said. Yeah. But we've got to start to do that a little bit more. With those, as I said, 1,440 minutes, just put, you know, it's 26 minutes of exercise. It's five minutes of meditation. It's five minutes of mindfulness. Yep. Whatever works for you, but we've got to do it. We've got to do it. Mate, how did you get started into creating what you did with Mindful Oz? Like, you've openly spoke about the, the amount of mates you've lost. Mm. Did that have a big factor into going, right, I need to do something? And, like, how did you start it? Yeah, it was probably... It's a really good question because at the very start of Mindful Oz, I probably selfishly, it was a bit of 50-50 probably, there was a 50% of it is like, I need to start talking about this shit because I want to be understood. Mm. So selfishly it was because nobody gets me. That's what it felt like. I felt misunderstood. And then the other part of it was like, I'm sick of sitting up the back of funerals. And yep. 2016, I lost one of my closest mates, Sean, and I sat 15 rows deep, four seats across. On my right-hand side, I'll never forget it. And I sat there and there was about a 1,000 people at this funeral. And I was like, if, if, if only a thousand people, if only he couldn't understand that a thousand people loved him and missed him. Mm. I was like, but if, what about if all of the thousand of us could have showed him? And so I sat 15 rows deep, four seats across, and I had this most bizarre experience in my life. I didn't know anyone in the auditorium. I knew a few blokes because I was just purely put on this planet or in Sean's path to help him. And I felt like I failed him because he'd taken his own life. And when we sat around and looked at everyone's face in that auditorium, all I could see was the faces of my friends and my family. Sean's face up on the screen, all I could see was mine. Yep. And as his mum did a eulogy at the front, all I could see was my, here, was here oh. my mum. It was like so bizarre. But it was the moment where I went, if not me, then who? Because mm. you can sit, the, you can keep sitting in the back of these funerals, Matt, or you can go do something about it. Yep. And so it was the moment where I really, again, sort of gripped out on the mouth guard sort of thing again and... I went, fuck it, I've got to start doing something about this because I'm sitting on experiences that you can't teach. And so you can keep finding yourself in these environments or you can get off your ass, get well yourself um, and, and go use that experience and those, that journey that you've been on to help somebody else who's on a similar path. And that's where I really felt like I, I ramped it up. And Mindful Oz, yeah, eight, nine years in now is impacted. Well, we've done workshops to over three and a half million people in 26 different countries, either virtual or in person. And over a thousand workshops and trainings. Like it's, yeah, it's, wow. it's wild to think what we've been able to do. And I've had some amazing support to be able to do it. But it's just one bloke who knows what it's like to hurt. Mm. That just doesn't want other people to hurt. And yep. um, as I said before, the way the world's hurting at, or going at the moment, it is a tough, challenging place for people to be. So if we can provide them some education or some understanding about mental health and their well-being or give them some skills to hold some space for their mate that they're worried about, then we're going to be better off. And... Again, back to that selfish part, I, I feel like I don't know where I'd be if I wasn't doing it. And it's given me purpose. And I think if you don't have purpose in your life, 
can be bloody, it can be pretty fucking hard. Oh, for sure, mate. And like I spoke before about how like I've got the first one to admit I've fucking got anxiety and shit, but I don't have like full on problems. But what I did notice when I was working away in that, when I was sitting in those rooms and that, when I had something that I was passionate about to put my energy towards, straight away I was pumped like yep. that I was doing something like that instead of just sitting there, I don't know, pulling your dick or fucking yeah. looking, you know, just scrolling through Facebook or something. You had something to, that you were like, fuck yeah, I'm keen to do this. Work yeah. towards. Yeah. Yeah. I still <clears> remember when I was plumbing, like I was, I felt like I was good at plumbing, but I remember being under the sink. And this is why I talk to people about their jobs when I tell them about purpose. When I was plumbing, I remember being under the sink, doing up nuts and shit. And then I was just like, but if I had a bad day, I was only ever thinking about that bad day. I was never focused on that nut. Or mm. doing that fucking Teflon up or anything like that. Now when I'm mindful of Oz, I have a shit time. I go into work and I'm in front of the computer or I'm up on stage. I don't think about nothing. So it's like find something that is an absolute distraction to you. And yep. for me, plumbing, all I thought about all the time was how shit's this. That drama happened on the weekend. That person said that to me. Yep. I couldn't switch it off. Mm. So to have something in my life now that I can go to and I know what it gives me, yep. it's very purposeful, very rewarding. But also when I'm there, I'm there, all there. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's well articulated, but I feel like that's what people need to find in their life. Something where the, when they're there, nothing else matters. Yeah. It's like what sport is to us. So you play league, yeah. you're running someone down or hitting someone up. Mm. You, you're not thinking about all the shit that's going on anymore. Uh, it's like therapy no. for me. Yeah. yeah. It's only if it went for longer than two hours of a Saturday. And I'm fucking still sore from the game three weeks ago. So <laughs> yeah. that's why we've transitioned into talking shit. <laughs> yeah. It does the same thing, bro. So I chuck the headphones on and yeah. I'm in a happy place. Yep. It's fucking good. Yeah. Do you, um, like, do you reckon we are born with this stuff and we're just, we just trigger it? Or do you reckon <clears throat> it has to be like bad times to create anxiety and depression like you? With your bad boss, mm. oh, I can relate to that. I reckon that's when I sort of had stuff playing up in my head. Yeah. When I had a bad toxic group around me, I was fine mm. before that. Yeah. I always laughed at people going, oh, he's just stressed out. Gee, he needs a root. Yeah. Well, it's a really good question because I think there's a big misconception about depression in this, in this country. And the way I describe it is like a lot of people think depression's when everything in your life's going bad. Yeah. For me, it's when everything in your life is going right and you still feel like shit. Yeah. And that was for me. So, yeah, there were some things that were going wrong with the bosses and that. But the Australian, like, there's this massive misconception as well um, about what causes depression and the, the imbalance in the brain, which is a complete myth. Obviously, we need serotonin produced in our brains all the time and et cetera, et cetera. But the human being, all we want is to love and be loved, to be seen, to be heard and to be valued. So when you're at work and you're getting abused, are you loved? Are you receiving it? No. Are you seen, heard and valued? No. It's a disconnect mm. between those five things. When you have a disconnect between those five things, that's where we see mental illness being expressed. Yep. The same way when I was in America and got off stage um, and spoke to Dr. Bart Andrews, he's a, world's, um, psych, one of the, he's a great psychiatrist, he said to a group of us, and I'll never forget it, when we see a lot of mental illness being expressed, it's a sign the culture and the community's sick, not the person itself. And yep. I, I feel like not a true word's been spoken. Like if we all understand that if there's people out there struggling right now, the community and the culture is sick and we can do something about it instead of blaming that person for how they felt or trying to find reasons as to why they feel like that. So, yeah, situational. Depression is 100% a thing that exists to us. But at the end of the day, I think we're always just got to ask ourselves if we're worried about am I experiencing depression, it's am I loved, am I loving, am I seen, heard and valued? And if you've got crosses against any of those things, very well you could be find yourself in a little bit of a rut because mm. that's what we're wired for as humans. 
So we need that at all times. And that's why I always say to everybody, I believe suicide's 100% preventable. Now, I've got, no, I've got no facts to back that up, but it's a bloody good way to think about it. Yeah. Because it means we go out there and we provide love. We see people, we hear people, and we value them. We give, give you them a bit time. of fucking hope that we can make a difference too if you have that attitude instead of, oh, well, they were fucked, you know? Yeah, and it <clears> also <throat> gives confidence to the everyday Australian that goes, I'm not qualified. We are all qualified because mm. you all got one of these bad boys. So go out there and show love and, and be kind and hold a space for people. We don't need to know the answers. It's like Aurora Alexander took me off the street here and housed me for eight and a half months here in Gladdy. Yep. She took me off the street. Did she know what it was like to be suicidal? I don't know. Had she lived with bipolar disorder? No. Did she go physically and emotionally abused? No. She just knew what it's like to hurt. She'd been through pain before. So yep. she connected with me on the fact that she understood pain and so did I. And I feel like we all know what pain feels like mm. on some level. doesn't matter if you've lost your pet goldfish or you've lost 10, 11 mates to suicide like I have. It fucking hurts. Mm. Yep. So use that pain to show up better in the world for people. Yeah, oh, it's awesome, man. <clears throat> when you start, when you started it, how long did it take you to start getting a bit of traction? Because like obviously now you're doing great things. We'll talk about your book soon and stuff like that. But like at the start, how long did it take to start sort of getting recognised? And yeah, after like that? that first meeting, that um, when you had to get up and talk. No, it was a well. It, I say it's a slow burn. It probably it really wasn't. Looking back on it, it we just started things popping off, and I think I was. Oh, not revolutionary at first, but it was definitely one of the, one of the very first, like, amongst the first yeah, in Australia yeah, to yeah. really do it authentically, yep. to talk about suicide and to say it when people were saying don't. So when I started doing gigs and I was just real, one bloke could tell one bloke, one bloke could tell another, and all of a sudden I'm getting bookings at every f football club and sporting club, and then I'm in every workplace. And then I was like, shit. I got to the point where I was like, if I was getting booked in primary schools to tell my story, I'm like, I don't know that that's a good idea. Yeah. I don't know that these kids need to hear it. But they're like adamant. These teachers are like, no, nah, come in and tell your story. It's all good. Water it down a little bit. And I'm like, no, what about I build something that gives these kids the skills mm -hmm. instead of, oh, Matt has a cool story. We've all got a cool story. What was more important to me is that I gave these kids something to go away with. So that's where I started to build programs and, and things like that. So Mindful has really started to gain a lot of traction. A lot of community support. Um, we're not government funded, so everything we get is just people that just love what we do and, and want us to see want to see us do more of it. So I think for me a real big turning point and, and something that leveraged me quicker than I could have ever dreamed of was Kevin Hines. Yeah. You know, he, he's the number one probably mental health and suicide advocate in the world. Famously, his, his journey of jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge and surviving it. Yeah. Being saved by a sea lion. Yeah, smashed crazy. his vertebrae into concrete dust. And as he's going in on a stretcher into the hospital for an emergency procedure, the, the world's most renowned back surgeon is walking out. And he wow. just happens to cross paths with him and perform a surgery on him that's never been done. And that bloke gained full, full mobility. He can work out, he can go to the gym. Um, I think he's one of like 32 people that have survived that jump, but only one of four that have, and I might be wrong in that, that have gained full mobility. Um, of their body again so pretty phenomenal story and when he goes around telling his story they gave me a golden opportunity they would used to reached out to us here we're in the movie suicide the ripple effect where they had about six or eight of us advocates casey um from living yep he was in it um and then they would get us to come out and do a tour of america and so kevin would do his 60 minutes we'd open for him yep and he just gave us he didn't have to do that he gave us a golden opportunity because he loved the way we did it, loved that we were real and authentic. And he said, we use open, tell your story for 15 minutes, I'll come on and go bang. And just by doing that, when I came back to Australia after that first tour, 
I felt like people started going, oh, he's not just some kid. Mm. He he cares. He's dedicated. He's passionate. So yep. I think people started to sit up and take notice. Because when I first started, there was a lot, a lot of people that were like, why would you listen to someone with bipolar disorder? Why would you listen to some 24-year-old kid that's, got, that's a plumber? Why mm. would you listen to that? And now nobody doubts it. Yeah. Actually, that's a great point too because you were young like really when young. you started that, eh? So really. it's like one of those things that older lads, it would have been hard for them to, to sit there and go, oh, fuck off, mate. Like what would you know? You haven't been through the rah, 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 right? Yeah, well, tw- yeah, 2016, I was like 24 or something when I started the charity. So yep. I was speaking before the charity, so I was even younger. I still think there's an element of people that sit there and go, what, is, what could this little fucker teach me? Yeah. But by the end of it, I've had them... Like, I work with some big organisations in Australia. Just recently, a bloke came up to me and he goes, oh, look, mate, I'll be honest with you. First 15 minutes, I didn't listen to a word you said because I came in here with the mindset that what could you teach me, what could I learn from you? So he goes, nothing against you, but I was just zoned out. And he goes, and then, you know, when the more you hate someone, you start listening to them because you want to find something to fucking have a go at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he said, that's what happened. And he goes, I started listening going, what can this little prick teach me? And he goes, fuck, mate. I learnt more in that 60 sec, uh, 60 minute, next 60 minutes than I've learned in the last 30 years. Mm. So, yeah, I think we can all learn from each other, but that's where Mindful Oz really took off, like Kevin, um, yep. giving me an opportunity and being around some of those great advocates, like, you know, said you had Casey on yeah, uh, yeah, great podcast, bloke. fantastic yeah. guy, doing very similar things. Yeah. Just Mary O'Brien the other day, another one getting out there talking to country blokes and stuff and, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, to people in the field doing good things. And yeah. we we just stumbled across our version of it, but just going check in on your mates. It was weird. People were like putting us in a bit of a, a group going, oh, the boys fairly touch on it, but we just come naturally to us. Well, our sort of thing is my thing. And like I said, I'm the first one to say I can't talk on saying I have got depression and any no. bad things. But all I know is when I'm having a fucking laugh, mm. I'm not feeling sad. So if I can let someone zone out for the fucking an hour yeah. and have a laugh and hear from the boys and fucking rah, 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 and then drop a little bit of hay and Cam and I opening up and being a bit vulnerable. That's right. Being those fucking larrikins from the, you know, from the tradies and all that sort of shit, then, you know, just maybe allow someone to, yeah. And, and that's why we need all of that happening. And that's why I said, like, I really appreciate that you use the platform to, to throw that element of vulnerability in because mm. you'll capture people that me, Casey's, and these other blokes will never capture. Um, it's like having our ambassadors at Sydney Swans or Bailey at the Gold Coast Suns. These people hit people and reach people that we will never. And to be able to give them, like you said, the Alaricans or our tradies, that their level of comfort or mm. their articulation of it. It doesn't have to be a scientific, boring, doom and gloom conversation. Yeah. Strip it back, make it relatable, mm. and you'll find that we will reach people far quicker that way. And so, as I said, if more of us can have these open dialogues, the quicker this joint out there will start to look a bit nicer. Yeah, yeah. for sure, mate. And like with you, you'd have a way that you like to talk on stage and stuff. And when you grew and you started getting more people wanting you to come and talk, did you build a team and more people are talking now like for Mindful Oz? And how did you go about that? Yeah, well, we had to. And, and, I, and I guess because the journey's never been about me. Yeah, I had to tell my story to get to where we get to, but it's never been about me. I don't really care if I never speak again. In an ideal world, I'd love to never do it again. Mm. I really would. But the wheel growing at such a rapid rate that I had to start training speakers. And so yeah. now we have speakers in every state. We have facilitators of our workshops in, in most states, online and virtual. So it, there's so many people out there. That I, I meet the best people in the world doing what I do. I really do. Mm. Um, America, Canada, here in Australia, 
my favorite part of what I do is as soon as it's done, when I get to mingle. Yeah. And I'd watch a lot of other advocates even when I was in America. As soon as the gig's done, jump in an Uber out the back door and catch you later. And I'm like, nah, I'm fucking staying here. And yeah, they're like, yeah. mate, you can't. I, I remember being in Kansas and they had about a thousand people that were lining up just to have a hug. Yeah, right. Fucking just awesome. Like, yeah. awesome, awesome. But they need it. And mm. in that moment, like you said, before we went on air, it's, yeah. if someone's going to go up and give, want to talk to you, you could, and it's the same with me in my field of work. If someone's going to be vulnerable and put themselves in my line to come and talk to me about anything that's going on in their world, I might be the only one. Mm. So you've got to give time to it. Fucking so you can't get to a place where it's like, I don't want to do the hard work of talking to it and holding space for everybody after a gig at the fear of I've got to look after myself because they might not ever have that person that they feel comfort in again. And so yeah. that's why I've always maintained that whoever inboxes me, whoever talks to me, I respond. Yeah, and it's maybe one day it won't be sustainable to do that, but that's what drives me to get up and go again tomorrow. Yeah, seeing that, seeing them hugs, having a chat to someone, yeah, being there to wipe a few tears away, and have a laugh with someone. Yeah, so if to, someone's going to put themselves out there and be vulnerable enough to come and actually come and talk to you, be reciprocal. You know, fucking oath. Because yep. if you knock them back, like you said, you don't. You might be their last option that they're going to do and if you knock them back who fucking knows what they're going to do 100 and I, I never take that for granted because as i said i've got 11 mates that can't be here today i'd yeah. love to sit them on this couch give them a better beer and show them how beautiful and meaningful their life could have been yeah well, i don't have that opportunity yeah. so i'll never ever take for granted that hope that exists and sometimes it's not one inch in front of our eyelids we can't see it yeah so if they've got it for that split second and i can keep pushing it and or empowering it to, to keep going today tomorrow and every day after that you got to do it. You mm. got to do it. And that's why we started. And you should never lose sight of why we started this. Yep. We started this to have a chat, have a yarn, talk some shit, and take some people away from their world for an hour. Yeah. Yep. The same way I do the same on stage, and never lose sight of why, why you started that journey. So, mm. yeah, it's we got speakers all around the country, and they all do a fantastic job. And I love nothing more than sitting at the back and watching them. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, mate. How many employees you got now? Well, we've only got two full timers. Yeah, me nice. And, yep. Me and me mate Jack, and um, he's a program coordinator and a very admirable dude, and. As I said, I meet the best people in this field of work, but um, if we had government funding, we'd have 100 staff because we've got that much work going on, but it's just we're just battlers, just yep. battlers. And we raise some money out there doing a fun run or something, and that helps us keep going. So, How's yeah. the business side been for you and then the adversity of all that? Scary as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got no idea what I'm doing. Yep. And yep. to run a set to be a CEO of an organisation as a plumber is, is interesting, um, but with a charity, I've got six board directors that sit above me. Yeah, They're all proven business woman and, and man and, and they're fantastic at what they do and their support that they give me. Yeah, mentor you. Yeah, and I get up of a morning and I think the best part of my job is that I don't know what I'm doing Yeah, because I'm learning yep. and I feel like as soon as you stop learning, what's the point? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I love what I do because no, no two days are the same. Same, that's right. No. Yeah. Mate, we've talked about a bit before of us being rat bags back in the day, you coming up here to sort of escape, building that company like you did. Those stories and losing the 11 mates all sort of come to having a bit of a story there, mm. mate, with your book. Like, tell us about how that come about, the idea of the book and the process of writing a book. Yeah, so I never wanted to do it, and I'll probably never do it again. Give a hot tip. Yeah. It was a shit of a process. And Got nothing me. against the publishers, but to be able to have to relive it all again yeah, was, was tough. And some of it was cathartic, but I think it was about 2016, 17, a few publishers wanted to sign my story. And for whatever reason at the time, I was like, nah, I'm not interested. And then when COVID hit, and obviously Melbourne had it pretty tough, I was sitting there doing nothing. Couldn't get out and do what I normally do on stages and meet people. So I was like, 
got to have something to go continue with. Mm. Got to have something that continues to keep me ticking. Um, and I yeah met with the publisher, Dean Publishing House, on that book and signed across and started the process. And there's about eight or ten, team of eight or ten, and I'm lucky that I got to speak my book and I didn't have to write much of it. Nice. So I speak it, they'd send it back yeah, to me sweet. and we'd massage it out. But a big point of that book for me wasn't to tell my story. Um, it was to give people the skills and tools, like I said. Like if I can – I can't get out on every stage and hit every person in the country. So if I can put something on a shelf that they can go and buy, yeah, half – you know, it's got to go a long way to making a difference. So with that, I was told it from the heart. And as I said, there's a lot of things that for a lot of people, a big part of, that I find hard about being a mental health advocate is the responsibility that comes with it. I'm still a rat bag. I still mm. play up. I still make mistakes. I fuck up all the time. I'm not your role model. I'm not someone your kids should look up to. I make a lot of mistakes. I do a lot of good things. But for me, I start, if I put up me drinking a beer on my Instagram page, me being me, the same way you know me, I'd have people inbox me going, you're not a real mental health advocate. And I just started getting shit canned. And I was like, I'm not good at dealing with this stuff. Mm. Um, and, and that's a lot of people we've heard in that space. You can't even... No, oh, it's just hard. Mate, that's like we, um, you know, we have a punt every now and again and a sponsor we have is a, a betting agency or whatever and we go, hey, boys, this week we're going to have a punt on this. When we join that, had a fair few people go, oh, you're fucking like, rah, rah, carrying on. It's like, oi, are you telling me you can't have a good mental state, have a beer and back a couple of horses on a Saturday? Oh, fuck off. Yeah, like, I as agree. In, you know? I agree. And, that, and I, it's what I still find really hard to this date because – as I said, I try to be the best I can be, but I do make mistakes. I mm. do, and I'm outspoken, I'm authentic. So if there's something I don't like, I'm going to tell you. But I've had to taper that right back at the fear of now I run a charity and the charity can be impacted by that, et cetera, et cetera. So for me to tell that book, nobody can save me, and it, hence the title. I mean, it's controversial in itself. But I wanted to, with the title, I wanted to show people that I can't rely on anyone else. The only person that can save me is me. Mm. And I want people to understand that, and that's what the book's about. But also the book was a good opportunity for me to go, you can't take the piss out of me or bring up old photos or say that I'm this, this and this anymore. It's all there. I've just done it. It's on a shelf. <clears throat> it's like Eminem with the fucking eight mile rap, bro. Yeah, that's it. it on a book. That's mine. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's mine. It. It's not as good to, to listen to. But, um, <laughs> I like the name of it because I remember early episodes, I remember saying the same thing in my head, yelling it out in the dozer one night, going, nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. yeah. You're the only one that make a change. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah take that step. And that's what that's about. Um, and there was talk about not calling it that, not being controversial, but for me, that's how I advocate. Um, and, and nobody can save me is literally how I've always been about it. Like, no no one's coming to save you. You'd have all the best support in the world, and I always have. I've always yep. had amazing friends, amazing supports. My parents are amazing. My brother's amazing. That doesn't matter shit unless I'm going to get off my ass and do something about it. Yep. And that's what I want everybody else out there to know, not discrediting how much it's hard work it is to get to a good place. Yep. But get the wheels turning. Start doing something to save yourself because the reality is, unless, as I said, you can lead a horse to water but you can't force it to drink. Mm. And that's what mental health is about for me is just to keep putting left foot, right foot one day at a time. And the book was just a process of helping people to understand that but also for me, to, as, a, as I said, with the responsibilities of it, is getting that shit out there. Mm. So it's like... yeah. Good luck taking the piss out of me now for everything that I used to do because there it is. That would have been heavy, heavy times doing that through COVID and not knowing what was going on and reliving, like you said, your whole story. It was. It was really emotional um, shit to have to experience. I haven't done the audible for it and it came out in November uh, 2021. 
And the reason I haven't done the order was because I, I can't fucking fathom Reading the it. idea of reading it again. Yeah. Because yeah. well, I haven't read it yet. Yeah. I haven't read it. So to sit down and have to sit by myself, um, as I said, can't sit still for starters. But to read that back to myself, mm. I, I had a go at it a week or two ago and pulled the pin and cracked the shits and went home after two hours. I couldn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a very difficult process, but it was also the emotional hangover of now going, all right, it's all well and good that I wanted my story out there. But now it's like, now you open yourself up to wounds now. Because mm. I've spoke about myself in there that I've done some stupid shit. So now you can, you've uh, welcomed the naysayers. And would you watch process. someone, um, like, you'd want to be the one to voice that book, right? If, if it was going to be an audio book. Like other people, I suppose, do a thing Yeah, where... Morgan Freeman, I reckon. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a, right, that's a sexy right, Green light, that was good. Yeah. Well, that's how um, we actually... Uh, ripped off and repeated a little bit of Matthew McConaughey throughout that because he's green mm. lights. Is yeah, my that change, was great. One. My change your world tips. So mm. throughout my book, I have change your world tips and same sort of thing as the green light process. So yeah, well, I'm a big Matthew fan. Yeah, fucking nice, mate. Um, what's been the response, mate? Like after you brought it out, really good. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's what helped the process. Um, I now know it was so worthwhile put myself in that situation, and it always is. But to be able to have people that inbox me from different parts of the world now and tell me their favourite parts or tell me their feedback or tell, show me pictures of maybe they're having a cold shower and they're telling me, like, well, I had a girl the other week inbox me and said, oh, mate, I'm down to three fuck mats of a morning. I said, what's that mean? She goes, every time I get in an ice bath, I go, fuck mat. <laughs> yeah. And so she's like, I'm down to three fuck mats of a morning. I said, nice. keep it going, you'll be down to zero soon. So, you know, people are doing things that they never thought they would do and it's because I wrote about it. And, um, yeah, yeah I, it's, it's awesome. It's definitely worthwhile. I'll never write one again. But, um, yeah, just to be able to give people more skills. As I said, I don't love my job, and that will sound weird. I love the idea of seeing people love themselves again, and that's yeah. what keeps me come back. So when I see this feedback about the book and it's helped someone or I see someone doing an ice bath or meditating or going and getting help about their bipolar like I did, I'm like, fuck it, how good is this? Yeah. How good is this? After hearing a few people do, like, I don't know, some people call it meditation. I just talk about having a bit of time for myself. But yeah. I've started to try and, um, like, I'll be at the back like the other day, drag the camp chair around the side. The kids are jumping on the trampoline. I've got a beer. And I'm like, I try and, when I can think about it, actually stop and go, fuck yeah. Like, like things are pretty good. The kids are fucking healthy and happy jumping on there. Yeah. I'm happy. You know, and just that little bit's been fucking pretty good for me the yeah. last – it was only like the last sort of few months, man. And, that, you know? and that's what meditation is. I think there's a big misconception around it, like meditation and mindfulness. Like mindfulness is being present. Meditation for me is about – it's like the way it was explained to me. We don't go out – well, maybe not here because the weather's better, but in Victoria and Gippsland where I'm from, it's cold as shit every day. You go, we don't go out the front and try and lasso the fucking clouds down so we can see the sun. And it's the same with our thoughts. Our thoughts come up and they get in front of the good shit. We don't try and lasso them down and remove them. It's about understanding why you're there, what can I learn from it, how can I grow from it. So to sit there with your kids and be, in those, and be present to those moments mm. is a form of meditation. It's understanding, it's reflection, and reflection yeah. is important to the process too. So the more reflective we are, the more effective we are. So to be able to sit there and be grateful for those moments in time mm. and slow the world down, as I said before, 5,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day that we experience. It's a fucking lot of thoughts. Is that, is that right? Mm. I reckon I'd be around 100. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, 4,800 of them I couldn't repeat. <laughs> <laughs> More. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. So, yeah, it's a lot. And, mm. and 91% of our thoughts today are the same again tomorrow. Yeah. So only 9% of is going to change from today to tomorrow. So if you're having a shit day today, this is where people fall in ruts because if you're having a shit time today and you go to bed and go, fuck, I hope tomorrow's going to be better. 
no, it's not going to be mm. unless you alter that course of your the way you think. Yeah. So it's like, what is that thought trying to teach me? What can I do with it? How do I grow from it? How do I create some fucking magic with it? And that's yep. what, for me, I mean, I sit on the bed every night and I ask myself, what's one thing I can do better tomorrow? Yeah. Or if I'm in a rut, it's just like, what would the best version of Matt do in this moment of time? If you yeah. could. Yeah. And you work through that little shit thought and you'd be done with it. Otherwise, yep. you go to bed with shit in your hands tonight. You wake up with it smeared all over you tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's, right. what, that's what it looks like when you get in a rut. Yeah. Mate, with the like the range now that you talk to, you're talking to like kids at three to four sort of thing and then the adults that you started with. Yep. Was that goal always to talk to the kids? Or is that is that your most enjoyable thing now? Yeah. Get, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I love the serious side of having conversations with ignorant people and, and turning their heads to shit. We can do it differently. But I love the innocence of kids and I also love the idea that I think if we paid more attention to our kids, they show us the true meaning of life. To not give a fuck about what people think, to have an imagination, to have creativity, to have energy, to have bounce. and We yeah. lose that as soon as we get older. Mm, so yeah. working with these young kids, they show me and I learn a lot from them, watching how they go about it. Because we get older and all of a sudden we start caring what people think. We have responsibilities that stop us from being who we really want to be. So to be working with these young kids and have these conversations and get in as early as we can and facilitate something that they will always have in their skill set mm. that we never had. And I just reckon if we can do that, we start new young waves of champions that yep. grow up equipped and resilient yep. to be able to deal with life's inevitable situations and challenges because life isn't easy, never has been, never will be. Yeah, I, I believe it's simple if we put the same time and effort into this as we do to anything else. Yeah, I think it's good getting into those kids' brains too because I think there's a flaw in the schooling system in that everyone's treated like the model student they want. Yep. Where like a perfect example is my mate Filth, who fucking is no longer with us anymore, but he was just a fucking energy bubble, you know, of, of this bloke that was never fit for school but got so much out of him being one of my mates and like it, it's, it's one of those things like there's no perfect answer for what we need to do but um i don't know just giving these kids a different chance to be accepted not being the naughty kid you know like yeah it's it's fucking hard for some of those kids that they'll be like that their whole life but it doesn't yeah. mean that they're worse than the fucking a-grade kid that you know 100 percent, and that's that's the basis of my story like i said before it's um labels belong on jars not people if you Oh, I don't know how many parents will come up and go, this is me naughty one. I'm like, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to have a naughty one. Yeah, 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 you keep calling him that. You watch him be it. So mm. it was the same when I was at school. They're like, you'd come in and new start of the week, sit down. Okay, I was a rat bag last week, but this week I'm going to pull me head in a little bit. And it wasn't that I was nasty or derogatory. I just couldn't sit still and focus. Mm, that's Just right. like most kids. Yep. But they put down as boys will be boys. It's like, no, we're just not facilitating shit that makes boys want to sit and listen. Mm. When we go and deliver our program, we don't have boys will be boys. The boys will sit there and they'll listen because they love it. Yep. So it's just, again, it, you point the finger and go, naughty kid, blah, 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 blah. There's three fingers pointing back and going, why are they? Mm. Why are they? And what can we do different? So, yeah, as I said, I love working with the kids. It's a bit of, it's refreshing when I always do the serious side of stuff with adults. That yeah, it would, be a, it would be a fun, more of a fun thing for you to do, eh, and yeah. seeing kids. Kids are fucking awesome, man. They are. They Yeah, unfiltered. Pretty, <laughs> yeah, but, pretty funny. Um, yep. Yeah, no, they are, and... Yeah, as I said, when you know you, I will never be able to see the direct impact of what we do with those kids. We know it works. We know we've got a data to prove that, but we'll never see what eventuates for those kids. Mm. But we just got to know what we're doing will work, and they'll live a healthy, happy, and fulfilling life more likely with that skill set than if we didn't provide it for them. So, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm super grateful that we're able to play a small part. 
For sure, well, mate. <clears throat> and getting that done, like you had a goal to do that. Have you got anything else now that you want to um, strive to do for the company, or are you are you pretty happy now to build what you've got? And you know, what's what's the plans moving forward? Keep spreading the word. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough one. I mean, I, for me, I don't try not to think too far ahead. And I know that I know some people say that you shouldn't think like that. You should think big. But for me, I'm like, I know naturally through the way I work and how work, the, my work ethic and drive that magic will happen. So I don't try to think too much about it. But um. You know, I do see mindful Oz popping off in, in different states at this stage. And, yep. and yep. maybe not to do the work that I'm doing right now, but I think that there's room for mindful Oz to deliver that program right across the country. Yep. So that'll look like um, having facilities everywhere so we can be more accessible to the schools. And, mate, talk about being accessible. How, why don't you give it a plug? Like, how can people get onto yeah. you to, to get you guys to come have a chat? Yeah. Or even, even to get a copy of your book? Like, where do they yeah, go? Yeah, so everything's found on mindfuloz.org on our website and... You can, um, you know, punch your details into any of our submission forms or anything like that there and we can have a chat about what it looks like. The good thing that Mindful Oz does is everything's tailored. So if you come to me and we're like, we've got to do it at an event, it looks like this, I want you to talk about this, I want to do that. We don't pull something off the shelf and go, this is what it is, too bad. We'll sit down and work out what's hurting you the most. And you've got a blank canvas and all the paint. What's, what's painting you the most? What can we paint a different, what it looks like and... We come and paint that for you over over a long time, so it's not just like a one-hit wonder and bounce out of there. Yep. We want to make sure that we're making sustainable change. So we love going in to any part of the country and having these chats, and obviously in the high-risk areas of regional parts of our country where access, like we said, is hard um, and where we're under-resourced are the places that I love to play. So places like this mean a lot to me because this is how I grew up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. No, that's fucking unreal, mate. It's um, like I said, the cool thing for me is knowing you before this yeah. and just seeing what you've done and being out of city now. Fucking, it's unreal. But um, <clears throat> mate, to finish off, we've got um some guest questions that we used to run, Beauty. and we sort of just stopped doing, and everyone's been fucking up us about it. So <clears throat> we'll bring them back, and mate. we forget. Sometimes. Yeah, and we forget, and we always forget to take a photo. So fucking remind us to do that <laughs> after this. I've got the worst memory of the three of us. I can guarantee. <laughs> but mate, first one: Have you ever been arrested? Uh yes, I've been arrested for an indictable offence. It was here in. Should I actually tell the story or not? Whoops. We can cut it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so I actually put my name down on a hotel uh, for the boys in mm. Rockhampton one weekend. And obviously there was a bit of rat bagging going on and a bit of damage was caused to the hotel, about 16 grand's worth of damage. Wow. A lot. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't part of it. Yeah, yeah. But my name was on the booking. Oh, no. Yeah, so they said, can you I come in? I don't remember this. Yeah, yeah. It's in the, actually, it's in the book. Yeah. Um, can you come in for a few questions? I was like, of course. Didn't do anything wrong. I'm like, fucking oath, I'll be there in a minute. Yeah. I went in there and bang, they just pulled me down to the counter of handcuffs and all sorts yeah. of shit. So did the old honest thing and I get put in a suicide straitjacket and a four by four padded cell because of my mental health history. So it was a, it was wow. a shit of a time that night sitting oh, in that thing. Yeah. Especially because I didn't do it. Holy fuck. Yeah, so I was, I was pretty filthy, but... Nah, it, it hasn't wreaked havoc on me. I don't have a criminal offence. I was lucky to be able to run the charity still and do what I do. But yeah. um, you look back on those things now and laugh. But at the time, um, and I've worked with the police, Queensland Police, since, which has yeah. been awesome. Yeah. Because obviously the way I was treated in terms of the 4 by 4 padded cell and the police onesie that I had to wear, yeah. as groovy as it was, it wasn't fucking cool at the time to be wearing it and to be treated like that. So mm, yeah. it's nice to be able to change their misconceptions of what that looked and felt yeah, like. Yeah, fuck me. Oh, that would have been in. Oh, I can imagine, mate. Yeah, well, the 4x4 the four four padded cells is up the back with the ones that they hold for people until they've been 
gone through the court process. So I was sitting at the back with, I think, murderers at the time. And True. they were yelling at me all night. But, yeah. True. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm in a still such trade jacket, so I'm like, I don't know what they thought of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll probably think the same yarn. thing. Who's this mad cunt? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> mate, that's a fucking mad yarn. Mate, what's your favourite alcoholic drink? I'm a spice rum man lately, so Kraken. Um, yeah, nice. I'm obviously a beer person, but yeah, um, yeah after that, it's a, I'm, I'm spice rum. Um, yeah, good stuff. Kraken. Nice, Very mate. Good. Hey, this is, this is one of my favourite ones. Are aliens real? I've got a few mates that fucking look like one. <laughs> uh, no, let's go. No. Yeah, right. Eh? I don't know why. Yeah. Just, just think that's too much to think about. Yeah, I like, think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got enough. We've got enough of you, folks. Yeah, rather not. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think. I probably looked like one last night when I got home. So, yeah. Yeah. mate, I'm the same with some of the conspiracy theories, right? So, like. Even if someone hits me with a heap of fucking, like, facts, I'll be like, man, even if it is real, what the <laughs> fuck today. is it worth me? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. well, there's a few of them flying around at the moment, so. Mm, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, everyone was bored during COVID, so oh. they probably come up with one each. Mel- fucking... Melbourne was a hell of a time for that stuff. So. It would have been, bro. Oh, 100%. <clears throat> have you got any phobias? Clowns. Really? Chlorophobia. Fucking of clowns. I can see them in movies, can see them on walls, paintings, books. Yep. If I see one in person, I'll fucking catch you later. <laughs> there you I'm go. Out. Yeah. I'm out. I'm True. Out. So yeah. no matter what sort, like as in fucking just the old paint and the red nose. Oh, and Yeah, anything, mate. Yeah, the, the more old stereotype clown, I think the worse. So when I used to go to school, you know, have muck-up days you know, mm. up here, yeah. and the boys would always come in fucking clown costumes. So, and then they wrap me up in that, you know, that glad wrap that they put around ca- cartons yeah. and stuff? Put me in that and fucking dance around me. You're kidding. Costumes. A lot of help with the head noise there. Fucking hell. Yeah. John Wayne Gacy was a mad clown. Yeah. Well, that watched, fucking right. That's yeah. a wild one. That yeah. So that's black book for me. That one because mm. I watched that doc and I was like, fuck me. Yeah. That would have been that little oh. boy in that fucking. Oh. That wouldn't have done yeah. your fucking. Uh, Chlorophobia. That's it. I think for me. Yeah. Well, that's mm. me with needles. <laughs> yeah. Won't be a junkie anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, mate. <laughs> Positive note. <laughs> in your toes, nobody knows. <laughs> Like <laughs> fucking uh, last one here. What's your favourite meal to cook? I don't do a lot of cooking. Yep. Because uh, I'm never home. But uh, hard to go past a steak, isn't it? Mm, I'm a steak yep. man. I've I've been doing carnivore a lot lately. It helps with me asthma. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just a shit cook and it's really easy. But yeah. Um, yeah. Lots of steak. So. So you find the carnivore diet does help you with stuff. It's helped me with my asthma. Uh, obviously, it's big on weight loss. So that's been good for me because I just spent. A month and a half tour in America and come back at 100 kilos. So yeah. I got down and back to plane. I feel mate. you there, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything's took, bigger, bigger over there too. I <laughs> took Mick over there and we had a good time. But, um, yeah, we come back a bit heavy. So us two whoopies had to get our asses in the gear and kind of always the easiest way for me to do that. But yep. um, it is convenient because I do spend a lot of time on the road and late nights speaking. So, yeah, hard for me to go past the steak. How do you go here on the road with your diet, man? Because, like, it's yeah. fucking – that's the hardest thing that we spoke about before. I actually like a lot of healthy foods. I really do. And if I had someone bringing me each meal saying, there you go, no I'd fucking be all right. But it's the convenience of dropping in on the way through a drive through bro. I'm shocking. I um, live with bipolar. I naturally get manic after something, like, excites me. Yeah. So I get very excitable. So after I do a speaking gig, I go through the nervous as fuck. I want to run away, get on stage, I'm fine, spit it out. Meet everyone, happy as, rewarding. I drive home, hour, two hours, three hour drive from a gig. Mm. I'm manic. Yeah. And I know that. And so for me, it's just like, I'm going to go treat myself. Because yeah. one, one of my, I guess, characteristics of my mania is I spend. 
So it's as soon as I get manic, I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm invincible. Yeah. I can do what I want. Go treat yourself. So I drive home from most gigs. I'm like, ooh, dirty bird. Yeah, yeah. Mackie D's. Yep. Krispy Kremes. As many as they are on the way home. So it's hard on the road to, to maintain that diet. I'm not probably the only thing that I'm really not disciplined with, with mm. my wellness, and I never really have been. But as I said, that carnival, like, that sort of stuff helped me because it's still within my realm in the kitchen yep. without getting too extravagant. But, um, yeah, places like America make it very, very hard to stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, for sure. But here in here in Australia, yeah, I could be better. Because and definitely down your way. I, I know you're on the road a bit, but, fuck, you got some good restaurants down do. your way. We do. Mm. Yeah, and that, it's difficult. It's definitely the weakest part of me. Well, yep. structure. Yep. I'm pretty good with everything else, like my cold showers and my meditation, mindfulness, gratitude, and all that shit. Yeah. But as soon as it comes to food, that's me weakness. Yeah, yep. yeah, for convenient. Sure. Yeah, it gets me every time. Mate, one thing we haven't spoken about, and I think we should touch on before we go, being in like what you've done. Um, you've said you've got a few things like the mm. uh, um, bipolar, yep. depression, and stuff. The actual medication, man. Did mm-hmm. you have like, like that's a feel that I've I've never touched because luckily I haven't really needed too much. But yeah. the um, how have you gone with that? Have you had an experience with different ones? What would you recommend someone going through it? Would you recommend them to go try it or try different things first? It's a bloody good question, mate, because I'm super passionate about this place of the work. And you know, in the first forty pages of the book, I, I punched that. Yeah, right. Real hard because um, I guess for me, what angers me is I do all this work to help people get to a place of acceptance where they can talk about it. And then it's on to the professionals. And so you want them to go seek help and support. But unfortunately, like a lot of my mates came back. And, and what I'm about to say, by the way, to anyone out there is, is my journey. Yeah. It's not professional advice. It's mine. Um, but it is backed by research. Same as the book. When I would tell my mates, go and seek help. Here's a list. And I'd, I wouldn't just give them a list of any old GP. Here's who I trust. And they, it was very hard to find anyone I trusted because they go in there and they five minutes later that, they haven't asked them any bloody questions about what they're going through, who they're around, habits, nutrition, anything. And they're bouncing back out with a diagnosis and medication. Here's a script. In yeah. the first 30 days, medication, is, this is, as I said, this is me and, and there's a lot of people who don't agree with it, but it is backed by research. The medication is the last point of call. Mm. It's not designed for any other reason. And a lot of the medication out there is placebo, which means that we think, we're taking this thing thinking it's going to do something to us that it's not actually doing it. Which, if it works as a placebo and it gets you the wheels turning again, fantastic. But there's a, there's a lot of medications out there with depression that also show that we think we've got a problem, we think we're depressed, and so we go and get medication because that's what society tells us to do. And our brain creates an abnormality from taking the medication that didn't actually exist before we took it. And that's what I believe happened to me. I don't yeah. believe I ever had depression. I was going through a really shitty time as a young 16-year-old and I went and took medication and I took high dosages of it because the advice that was given to me, and it says it in the book, is if it's not working, take another one. And what fucking advice cool. is that? And so I did. I was like a 250 milligrams or something of sertraline when I first started. You wouldn't find anyone over 50 milligrams these days. I was yeah, 250, right. pumped myself with it. And because right. of that, I experienced a lot of side effects. My understanding was if I take medication, as soon as I stop, I'll stop the side effects. I still live with a lot of those side effects and it shits me to tears. So the reason I say that and share that on the podcast is I want people, I'm not trying to tell people don't. I'm trying to tell people just be very cautious about what you are taking and what you're putting in your body mm. and understand it and understand that it doesn't matter what medication you're on, it doesn't work unless you're supporting it. 
with a whole like a holistic approach, a strength based approach. So. Lifestyle choices and Correct. shit like that as well. That you yep. could be just stopping doing that instead of taking on another thing. Yeah. Well, I took when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 26. Obviously, it was eight years later. Um, an unknown field for me, and I was like, well, I think I need medication. I'm not doing too well. So here I was going, I know I didn't like it the first time, but here we go again, and I've got a better skill set. So I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and I took lithium. And lithium um, ate two holes, ate a hole in my lungs, and I've still got that today. So when I fly to America, I have to take more medication because my lungs have a hole in it, so it inflates at high altitude and puts pressure on my heart. And I had, the first, I had a, um, the first signs of a heart, two heart attacks in the years leading after that because of the pressures that it was putting on my heart. Yeah, right. Fucking hell. And I don't do that. To, I don't say that to scare people. I say that to people to understand, like, yeah, that happened to me. Let's be aware that it could happen to you too. Yep. And to be careful what we're putting into our system. My advice is always for those people who are struggling is to understand that everything that is happening to us now, no matter how painful, discomfort, uneasy it is, is to understand that it's happening for us, not to us. Like we said before, what can we do with it? What can we... How can we dance with it and create magic with it? How can we use it for our own benefit? And I think if we associate ourselves with all of those skills and tools that we talk about, that we know are good for us, and find the ones that work for you, um, before you worry about medication. Yep. If, if you're really, really battling at the end of that and you feel like you're doing a lot of things to keep the wheels turning and you still don't feel supported, well, then obviously I recommend seeking that professional help and support. Yep. Um, but as I said, my as I don't want to bash medication, but I want people to understand the truth about it. And it's I, one of those things too, bro, where it's like I feel like fellas like yourself and other people in the industry should like be talking to the doctors who are doing this because it's, it's a pretty new thing, right? And it's like they've, they've probably, and it's like not their fault, they're coming, it's probably they've been told that that's what they do in this situation. Correct. Like black and white, hey, if they're depressed, give them this. Well, how like, many GPs you go into and you tell them what's going on and they have to type it in? Yeah, well, exactly. And it's and, not, and it's as I said, it's not a criticism, and and I'm taking the piss out of them. It's uh, they're overwhelmed with a lot of different things and challenges in the world too, bro. That's a hard fucking job, eh? Oh, everything, absolutely. like as in come in absolutely. with everything. So the good thing about what I love in America is America will actually get us and Kevin's and stuff like that to go out and educate psychologists and psychiatrists from a lived experience perspective about the things that we just talked about. Yeah, nice. So it gives them an understanding before they go into their psychology degrees and psychiatry about what it looks and feels like in reality rather than what happens in a book. And I think that yep. that's really, really important. And there's a lot of great psychologists and psychiatrists out there now that are doing that sort of work to try and understand from a lived experience perspective what it looks like. Mm. Medication, for a lot of people, has, has kept people's wheels turning. Fantastic. For me, I felt like my path was to do it naturally. And my path's not going to be the same as everyone else's path. So, I, as I said, I don't want to kick medication in the guts. I just want people to understand if you tap into the uniqueness of who you are and your yeah. own skill set... You're fucking way stronger than you think you are. Yeah, way yeah. Way stronger than you think you are. Unreal, man. Mm. Fucking sweet, as. Appreciate well, mate, you coming on, yeah, mate. Yeah, 100%, mate. That was an unreal chat. I hope everyone out there listening got a bit out of it, mate. And it's unreal, like I said, to see what you've done and what you're continuing to do. And, um, yeah, mate, wish you nothing but the best. Appreciate it, boys. And as I said, thanks for starting these conversations on these, as I always say, hard, sharp, but beautiful edges of love and life. Fucking oath, man. Unreal. Thanks, All right, guys. everyone. Stay out of each other. <laughs> <laughs>
Call them what you want, knee knockers, golden nuggets, dice slappers. But our friends at Manscapes refer to them as the boys. Not every man has children, but every man is responsible for their two boys below the waist. When your little guys have more hair than they need, trust Manscaped for all your grooming dreams. Boys need love too, so join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using the code ALPHABLOKES for 20% off plus free shipping. You heard it here first. The boys are back in town. Every man knows how scary it can get when you're going for the close shave below the waist. That's why I trust Manscaped for all my sensitive areas. Introducing the Lawnmower family, including the Lawnmower Pro 3.0 Plus and the 4.0 Pro and the 5.0 Ultra. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code ALPHABLOKES at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code ALPHABLOKES at manscaped.com. For the best your boys have ever looked, trust Manscaped. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.